warrior mentality, the warrior mentality is the, is the warrior mentality, the warrior mentality. You see the guy armed to the teeth, wearing his armor. Never give up. Just true. But doesn't have to be so throaty. <laughs> what about the warrior mentality? I'm a warrior. A warrior. A warrior. So this is... It depends where you, you view the battle. We have to be warriors, which means we're engaged in war, that's clear. To define our lives as an invitation to grow through struggle and to utilize our experiences as catalysts for transformation is another way of saying we are here to fight. Who are we fighting? Fundamentally, we're fighting the internally self-destructive powers. We are fighting ourselves. And when you internalize the battle and not externalize it, it becomes more sophisticated, pretty tricky, and requires depth and insight. In a certain way, it's much easier to draw and brandish my sword and deal with a real opponent that I can see, identify, and fight against. But when the opponent lurks within my inner world, very often the greatest challenge can simply be to recognize that he's present in my life. And that's, I suppose, the scary thing about spies and double agents, is if you have the enemy that's infiltrated into your system, and they're actually making the decisions, well, then you have no chance. The, one of the most famous Israeli spies was Eli Cohen. Eli Cohen um, rose up in the Syrian hierarchy until he was close to being, or maybe was actually, I'm not so clear on the facts, Minister of Defense. And he, he was the one guiding the Syrian army against Israel. But obviously he was really fighting for Israel. And I don't know if it's true, but the legend is that he told, he told the Syrians that in order for them to camouflage their positions, they should grow eucalyptus trees around where their bunkers and their hideouts are located. And then he just told the Israelis, wherever you see an eucalyptus tree, just bomb there. <laughs> so, so that kind of made their work easy. In other words, there is nothing as terrifying as the notion that the enemy is within us and not without us, with, from without. Because if the enemy is controlling the decision-making process of the management of my life and my movement forward, and I'm being managed, I'm being, I'm being guided to make decisions which are fundamentally self-destructive, well, I'm stuck, I'm trapped. Because I've lost my capacity to differentiate between me and the forces that, forces that are guiding me. So when we speak about the warrior mentality and we try to make that practical for ourselves, the Ramchal puts across as the first step is actually simply to 
You want to be a warrior? First step. Stop. Stop. Stop what? Stop everything. Without a arresting of the pace of life, the chances are we may be controlled by unseen destructive forces, but we never have the chance to examine, internalize, or give the insight which is allow, which would allow us the capacity to free ourselves from an internal subjugation. Stop. You can only move forward if you arrest all movement. And when you stop and you pause, 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 push the pause button on your life. And in that glorious moment of stillness, all of a sudden, your life will become visible to you. And as your life becomes visible to you, you can start to think, well, is this really what I want to be doing? Is this the direction I want to be going on? What's ludicrous to conceive of is that the pace and the amount of almost there's an information assault on our daily input systems. The amount of information that we get into our heads on a daily basis, I think it's unparalleled in history. We have information from all parts of the world, from all segments of society, and it's ongoing and incessant. And then we have busy lives. And our lives have no self-contained gaps within them. So if we just turn the clocks back, turn the clocks back a hundred years, you know, would there be light in our houses at night? If you certainly go back to the more rural areas of even Europe a hundred years ago. So there was no guarantee that a person would have the capacity to light up his home at night. Which would mean, what would you do in the winter when darkness fell at four o'clock for the rest of the night? Well, you could sleep. But that's, you know, getting in 14 hours of sleep is like, unless you're... Unless you're like in a serious degree in college is a big ask. So what do you do? You probably thought. You probably, it wasn't as incessant. But now, we don't have a night anymore. We've lost our nights. We live in a state of perpetual daytime. Electric lighting and electricity as a whole has allowed our lives to almost be out of sync with any kind of natural rhythm. Sunset is an irrelevant fact, which happens when it happens, because the light compensates. Granted, there's a slight difference when I look up to the heavens, instead of being blue, they're black. Okay. But when I look in front of me, I can see it. The world's not dark to me. The world's not dark to me. And therefore, the rhythm of the natural world no longer becomes relevant to me. The seasons have been almost in a certain way deactivated. Air conditioning has given me the winter in summer and the summer in winter. Transport has stopped that 
gentle time of contemplation as I walked or rode on my donkey from place A to place B. I went on the carriage. A bumpy ride where I couldn't. My phone is my constant companion that I cannot let go of. He's with me the whole time. And therefore, when do I take time to visit the self inside the self? How can I become a warrior when I have no idea who is holding the reins that's guiding the steed of my life? Step number one, stop. 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 Stop in this moment and think to myself, first of all, greet myself. Hello. Who am I? Who am I? Where am I going? What is my purpose, my function, my mission? What are my values? What is being manifest in my life? Where are my relationships? Am I being true to my core values? What are my core values? In that moment of stillness, I can not only free myself from the ongoing onslaught of a current, a torrent of busyness and information, but I can reclaim a sense of inner identity, a sense of getting to know myself, getting to be with me. The parody of science fiction is this notion of a human humanity is taken over by um, by robots. Humans are controlled by robots. One could argue we're already there. So much of our cognitive activity has been outsourced to technology. We've outsourced our sense of direction to Google Maps. We've outsourced our memories to our hard drives. We've outsourced our encyclopedic knowledge to Wikipedia. We've outsourced our capacity to memorize to be able to recall information because it's stored inside my own head to memory saving devices. We've outsourced that moment of connection. We've outsourced it by instead of experiencing it, taking a photo of it and then pasting it somewhere which will give me some sense of recognition but perhaps in doing so, deprives me of the beauty of the experience in its own right for itself. So the intrinsic experience of living life is becoming flooded by life itself. And therefore, the me gets washed away in the current of modern existence. And that's tragic. That's, that's really, 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 really sad. 
It's really sad. Like, where, where am I? Where am I? Where am I? And in Hebrew, it's fascinating because the word I, ani, ani, is a declaration of identity and an admission of humility. Because the letters recombined spell the word ayin, which means nothing. The nothingness. And let's see what happens when I start to explore myself. I start to reposition my sense of um, my sense of ownership over my life. And I start to become grateful. The nothingness means if I actually examine how much have I been responsible for for manufacturing in my own life, when I dig deeply inside, I suddenly realize I'm able to relax and to release and to let go of the trappings of self. And underneath it, I will discover the simple essence of nothingness. Is there a single thing that I've been able to do that's not been facilitated by others? For example, my very life. Did I bear myself? Was I born to a mother? wasn't my decision. So the gift of life was given to me. And my early years as an infant were outside of my control as as I was fed and clothed and given everything that I need to survive. Right now I have millions of people collaborating to make sure that this moment is the way it is. I have people who perfected the electrical infrastructure to assist that this room is lighted and that the sockets has electri- have electricity in them. I have a team of designers that have created structures which stand and don't collapse. I have a team of road engineers that have allowed the existence of vehicles upon the streets. And I have a team of designers that have designed those vehicles to transport me from one place to another. As of yet, I don't think I've had any any impact. Everything that I have is something that I've received. Until on the ultimate level, if I break it down even further, every breath that I take is a gift on a simple level of my environment to me, if oxygen one day would decide to get up and leave, I would be in massive trouble. So every breath is a gift, but if there's a spiritual perspective, it's a gift with intention and design that my life is installed breath by breath. My life is given to me breath by breath. And when I live in that moment of recognizing the precarious nature of a life 
granted to me in installations, I start to feel at the same time the paradox of the profound beauty of my existence and I become overwhelmed by humility as I recognize none of it really is mine. And in that moment of sublime surrender, I open up the space that normally constricts the self with some vain attempt to assert and to affirm my identity as separate and I become one. But maybe that's too, maybe that's too, but too lofty. Should we, should we just speak about, you know, speak about, and speak about being happy. Got to be happy. Happy. To be happy, you need good food, good music, good laughs. So rather speak about that. Why am I going so deep, so ethereal? So let's just, let's just relax and just have a good time. Let's have a good time. Why would you want to go so deep and contemplate that every breath is a new piece of life when we can just forget about that and have fun? Why would we? Why would we? Why would we explore the internal recesses, the depth and the profundity of perhaps a spark of eternity within where we can just get on with it? <laughs> you know? Let's, let's rather go there. Let's rather go there and let's stimulate our sensory organs with whatever we can and then we'll be happy. Because we want to be happy. Because we want to be happy. Well then maybe because we'll fall into that. Here it comes. Here it comes. True story. The happiness trap. You can't be happy, you see. So how do you break this? I'm actually very happy, but there's a happiness trap. How do you how do you how do you how do you remain happy when and not get caught in that? What's what's the happiness trap? What's the happiness trap? The happiness trap is the overwhelming compulsion that I need to tell myself that I'm happy in this moment. And unfortunately, the universe doesn't conspire to make me happy. <laughs> conspires to make me grow. Remember? The warrior mindset. So what, what, should we just ditch happiness? Or should we redefine it? Here we go. Happiness is not a goal and cannot be a goal. Happiness is a byproduct of self-actualization and fulfillment. When I feel I have my direction clear, my destination is visible, and I activate myself by drawing from within me all my resources, that experience of expression of resources produces a byproduct of happiness, fulfillment, joy, and sometimes elation. And it's not a contradiction to pain, but often works in concert with it. As I run up the hill of life, feeling the pressure, feeling the resistance, out of breath, using the last ounces of my strength to get to the finishing line. And as I cross over the finishing line, I don't say, oh, that was so painful. I say, oh, this is so ecstatic. But it hurt as I ripped those last parts of strength from within me. 
The fact is painful, and that's what produces the happiness very often, not undermines it. So yeah, we go, we're warriors, and the way we start to war with ourselves is, stop, in your tracks, look inside, get a sense of what's going on there, explore the territory, who's got the reins, who's got the steering wheel, where's it taking me, where's this vehicle called me going, stop. And then start to fight. And as I start to fight, now that I know the direction, now that I know the players, now that I can identify the opposition, now that I can recognize the self-destructive behavioral patterns, now my life becomes alive. And does it take away the struggle? No. So does that make me happy? Yes. Because the struggle, living in the struggle, is living in the world of happiness. You've got to be a warrior. A warrior of life. And the war rages within, not without. And until you've identified the raging war, you know one thing for sure. You're on the losing team. Because an unexamined life is a life controlled by the forces that you don't want controlling you. The reason why we have to be a warrior is because if we leave ourselves to default... We will default on our lives. Warrior. Wake up with the warrior inside of you and wake the warrior inside of you up. So that, that I think is, is valuable. What do you reckon? Eh? It's pretty good stuff. No? Do you think that's good stuff? Do you think that's good stuff? Pretty good stuff. I really like how you uh, redefined happiness. Yes. 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 <laughs> Me too. So I think that's, that, that's, that's important. No, this is important stuff. Should we, should we, should we, should we continue? Should we stop? <coughs> should we pause? Should we apprehend? Should we just keep on going? Rabbi, we can ask what we should do. Let's ask him. He's gone. Okay, so I think that, that's, that's good stuff. Chanukah. Chanukah is a battle. Chanukah is a battle. We fought a battle on Chanukah. Where did we fight the battle? Right here. Where did the battle lie? This is beautiful. What was, it, what was the battle of Chanukah? The battle of Chanukah was about belief. Imagine this. Pitted against the mightiest army in the, more, against the, mightiest army in the world. Small group, vagabonds, scholars. They had no idea how to hold a sword. Take on the might of the Syrian Greek army. What were they thinking? What were they thinking? If it would be me, forget about whether I would win or lose. What would be my mindset? What would be my, I'll tell you one thing. If my mindset was, there's a gigantic armed force who've got superbly trained warriors. There's no way I can win. I wouldn't have put a foot on the battlefield. So what did these warriors think when they got into the battlefield? They thought, we're going to do this. We're going to wipe them. How are you going to wipe them? You're outnumbered, outsmarted, outmaneuvered. How are you going to beat them? Because we're going to beat them. Whoa! That's where they won the war. 
They won the war inside of themselves. How did they win the war? They recognized, we're going to win. But you can't win. The odds are against you. Okay, that's a war. The war we need to fight is belief in self. We can win. When I know I can win, even though it makes no sense, totally rational, you can't do it. The belief in self is the ultimate victory against every single opponent. That's where the war lies. That's where it's fought. And the smallness of mind is the ultimate defeat. You, you're broken, you've lost before you even begun. How do I walk into life? How do I walk into the situation? When I see something, and how do, how do I feel about it? What do I believe about it? If I believe it's bigger than me, I'm dead. I've gone. If I believe I'm bigger than it, I've won. But one second, what if it is bigger than me? When you get to the point of inner awareness, you'll start to realize that the essential self is an eternal, all-powerful, spiritual energy. And there's nothing bigger than that. There's aloha. When you go to war, there's an isur, prohibition. Don't get scared. When you see your enemies overwhelming you, don't get, you mean don't get scared? How can I not get scared? I'm dead meat. You're only dead meat when your mental environment tells you that. Otherwise, you're a victor. The warrior mindset is the belief that there's no limit to the self when I recognize that the self doesn't exist. It's just an unlimited spiritual power that's transferred through me. And then I can wipe out an entire army. Sancherev's entire army was killed in a single night by one malach. The Hashmonoim were bigger than Malachim. Fight the fight.